You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And finally, spoiler alert. No matter when this film was released, there's a good possibility I will be revealing spoilers about the plot or even possibly the ending. So just be warned. Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery. Directed by Ryan Johnson. It stars Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, De Batista, Kate Hudson, Madeline Klein, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, and Katherine Hahn. The genre would be murder mystery comedy. Ladies and gentlemen. This is it. You expected the mystery. Get your hand off of that. You expected a puzzle. But for one person on this island, this is not a game. Will you explain it to us then, detective? Holy Really, Duke? Oh my God! Really? Lock the doors. Stay in your rooms. Everyone is in danger. murder mystery start three years ago when it first came out i quite enjoyed knives out but i have to say that it never quite achieved the balls out clue on a big budget insanity of this movie this second mystery just has more 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 including more benoit blanc daniel craig of course reprising that absurd southern accent more laughs more on the nose social commentary more absurd characters more convoluted plot machinations, more extreme production design, a more absurdly stacked cast, and, most importantly, more fun all around. As a pseudo-sequel to a sort of comedy, it really should not work nearly as well as it does. I mean, history is littered with more expensive retreads of clever comedy hits like Miss Congeniality 2 or Ghostbusters 2 or Another Stakeout. And yet this movie does work because writer-director Ryan Johnson does not actually try to duplicate the first film. I mean, this is an ensemble murder mystery at its core, like the first film, with Blanc at its center. But that's honestly where the similarities end. For one, the setup for this is much more madcap. In this very room, a murder will be committed. My murder. You will have to closely observe the crime... Consider what you know about each other. Know that across the island, I've hidden clues. Some may be helpful, some may misdirect. That's for you to determine. But if anyone can name the killer, tell me how they achieved the murder, and most importantly, what was the motive? That person wins our game. Any questions? Uh, wait, what do we win? I, what do you mean, what do you, what do you, what do you want? No, no, nothing. I just, I, I just thought maybe there was a prize or something. I, I, an iPad or like. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, no, no, the winner gets an iPad. 
The plotting is still relatively tight, even if it does get a bit bogged down with flashbacks during the midsection. And even though that central mystery pretty much works as a basis for the narrative, this movie is not really about solving that mystery. Well, not completely. It's all about this wacky group of mostly privileged, professional, quote, disruptors gathered up on one billionaire's island for a weekend, and their various interactions. That tech billionaire is the Elon Musk-like Miles Braun, who owns his own secluded island with an impressively gaudy yet technologically advanced mansion at its center with an eye-catching glass-enclosed structure at its top, which houses his offices, and a lounge, and an expensive collection of top-flight art inside it. This area is, of course, called the eponymous glass onion, and this is also where much of the action for this story occurs. Miles has invited over a select group of friends and business associates, the aforementioned crew of disruptors, over for the weekend for an upscale murder mystery party. Plus, we also see Benoit Blanc invited there, but for reasons not revealed off the bat. This motley crew includes Catherine Hahn, playing an image-obsessed governor, a loud online men's rights YouTuber played by Dave Batista, a brassy, somewhat disgraced former model-slash-pop star played by Kate Hudson, and it's great to see her back, a paranoid tech whiz who's bronze right-hand man played by Leslie Odom Jr., and, most interestingly, an embittered former business partner played by Janelle Monet. And gratefully, of course, Daniel Craig is having a ball as this circus's reluctant ringmaster. You must be really great at Clue, huh? I'm very bad at dumb things. Ticking boxes, running around, searching all the rooms. It's just a terrible, terrible game. And for me, the true standouts from this cast were Hudson, who has several of the best lines, Norton doing what he does best, which is playing a rip-roaring dickhead who you just can't help but kind of like anyway. Someone reset the box. They sent it to you as a gag. Miles is doing a murder mystery. Let's invite Benoit freaking Blanc. Oh, it's so good. I am mortified. I, I don't... Why? I, I've got the predefinite detective in the world at my murder mystery party. That is so legit. And Monet, who gets in on the fun while still having this story's trickiest role. Of course, someone is murdered at the end of the first act. Chaos ensues, the mystery builds, and, well, I'll leave it at that. Across the board, this is a handsome production with fantastic costume design from Jenny Egan, who's returning from Knives Out, and pretty spectacular production design from Rick Heinrichs, who has been doing this for 25 plus years, but this is only actually the 21st film that he has worked on. And when you look at this guy's IMDb, which includes standout work on The Big Lebowski, Sleepy Hollow, which he won an Oscar for, Captain America, The First Avenger, and the recent jaw-droppingly beautiful Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power series on Amazon. Well, it becomes pretty clear that this guy chooses his projects carefully, and when he does, the results are pretty unforgettable. And same here, as there is just so much to look at in the background. Furniture, gadgets, art, despite a limited number of locations, and yet it never distracts from the characters on screen. And this is one hell of a fun group to watch. And this brings me to the categories. The first category would be the best needle drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. Because music, of course, is essential to film. And this one is fairly obvious when you think about it. The song plays over the end credits as we see fun title cards for each of the stars. And it happens to be a catchy little psychedelic rocker from one of the greatest bands ever. The song is, of course, Glass Onion. And shame on me for calling myself a Beatles fan and not remembering that they actually included this on their 1968 White Album. 
Yep, in case you weren't aware, that self-titled album from the Fab Four was epic in length, with 30 songs, and this being among the shorter tracks at just 2 minutes and 18 seconds. What's kind of perfect about this song choice is that it is 100% meta, mainly just referencing other Beatles songs which had been recorded by that point, including Strawberry Fields and Fool on the Hill. For a very meta movie, it is the perfect irreverent note to end it on. And now the next category, which is wasted talent. This is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. Yeah, I've been a bit of a broken record on this kind of topic, this subject matter. But come on, Netflix. Why did you insist on having this movie play in theaters for only one week? I get that you want to give your subscribers exclusive content. But when it comes to certain types of movies, well, you're not actually going to lose subscribers by making them wait a few months longer to see a movie like this via streaming. I mean, looking at the top 10 movies chart on Netflix today... Guess what I see? Seven of the top 10 movies are not Netflix releases, and each of them was released to theaters at least four months ago. And I say this having seen this with a packed audience over Thanksgiving weekend. Seriously, the audience I saw this with was just fun, laughing and or gasping in all the right spots, seemingly taken aback, as I was, as to how just deliriously entertaining this movie is from start to finish. Glass Onion is a prime example of a movie which should be enjoyed with an audience. Simply put, the waste here is that Netflix is not allowing movies like this to have full theatrical releases. This brings me to the next category, which would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. Now, this might be an obvious choice, but I have to say that the opening sequence of this movie just completely disarmed me in a way that I was not expecting. The movie kicks off with all the aforementioned individuals, each receiving a special delivery from Norton's Miles Braun. They each receive a pretty large puzzle box. We jump from person to person as they scan the box and then start to fiddle with it. And off the bat, there are buttons and knobs along with some occasional clues as they each start to tinker with the box. And part of the fun of this sequence is watching just how differently each person approaches the situation. Some are being meticulous, while others are just yelling for someone else to feed them obvious clues. A whole new tune. Freaking Miles, man. Genius. That first one's a Fibonacci sequence. But as we cut between each of them, the box starts to open up, revealing more and more secret compartments, and even little games or activities within those compartments. And eventually, each of them get the box to collapse at the corners, revealing at its core a, yep, you guessed it, small little glass onion, which pops open in little pieces to reveal a small paper invitation from Miles, inviting them to this mystery weekend at his island. 
My dear friends, my beautiful disruptors, my closest inner circle. We could all use a moment of normalcy, and so you are cordially invited for a long weekend on my private island. Where we will celebrate the bonds that connect us, and I hope your puzzle-solving skills are whetted. <gasps> because you will also be competing to solve the mystery <laughs> of my murder. And each of them excitedly reads this invitation, except one who has not yet opened her puzzle box, who would, of course, be Janelle Monet's Helen. We see her in an unfinished basement, I think, alone with the box on a table, wearing safety goggles. And, well, let's just say that she has found the most efficient way to get to the center of this box where she finds her invitation. It's really just a funny, fast-paced sequence, which not only adeptly introduces us to each of the new characters, but it sets up a playful tone for the movie which follows, and which really never lets up. Travel details to come. Please forward any dietary restrictions. Love and all my kisses, Miles. Ma, where's my spear gun? I got a pack. Babe, get packed. What's that? I don't know. And that brings me to the final category, which would be the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Virtually every actor here is just chewing the scenery. But thanks to Johnson's deft screenplay, each character compliments the others in a canny way to enhance the mystery. What potentially feels early on like a setup for a ratcheted up, just kind of battle royale of folks screaming over each other, never quite materializes that way. It instead develops into a symphony of clever exchanges, some nicely done slapstick, and good observational humor. But at the end of the day, this is really Ryan Johnson's achievement, and it's probably among his best, right up there with Looper. Very different movie, mind you. It's kind of funny that he got so much negative attention five years ago for directing The Last Jedi, which seemed designed as a movie to just piss off audiences. And now he has crafted what I would consider one of the best audience experiences I can recall in recent years. For writing and directing the rare comedy sequel which improves upon its predecessor, Ryan Johnson is the MVP. I think the first movie was about a, a family in New England. Yes. This one being about tech billionaires and YouTube influencers and crazy politicians and rock star scientists. Very naturally, it just felt like, and, and also being about the, the themes it's about, very naturally our voices raised up a few decibels with the tone, I think. <laughs> so, uh, and at some point, the fact that the expansiveness and the bigness of it and the broadness of it became part of the joke. My rating for Glass Onion is four and a half stars out of five. Glass Onion is just a dizzying entertainment machine which never slows down. It should be seen in theaters, but hey, hop on wherever you can. Because right now, if you're looking to watch Glass Onion, it is currently streaming on Netflix. And that ends another enigmatic review. Special shout out to my lovely wife, Marlene Gershon, for producing this podcast. And to my lovely daughter, Ella Gershon, for assisting in the editing. Please like, subscribe, and share the Living for the Cinema podcast. And follow and like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.